With me this week is Mark Under... Nope, nope, he's not here. Rob Payton... Nope, he's not here. Uh, Noel. Hey! Hi, Noel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cheers! Clank. What are, what are we drinking? Sour uh, Monkey we, something stuff. We're drinking a Victory Brewing Sour Monkey Remix. It's uh, Sour Monkey, which is awful, the first one you drink, and then it gets great. Mm. Um, but this one is, I think... Aged in a Chardonnay barrel on the River Sticks or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was more expensive. Yeah. It was a pretty bottle. You have to put coins on your eyes before drinking it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, we're going to oh, we have a couple of emails, but we're going to wait for the whole gang to be here. As I said, Mark and Rob could not be here for differing reasons. Uh, Rob's reason was... Uh, Life. Uh-huh. And then Mark has... He moved. He didn't really get into the nitty gritty of why he moved, but I'm assuming it has something to do with Saint Saucy constantly sending him topless photos of himself. But by his own volition. Yeah. So he probably had to move in order to avoid that. But the thing I didn't... I think the problem is is that he doesn't realize that moving doesn't help uh, Instant Messenger. No. He's still getting the pictures. Yeah, so what it was was like uh, he was fine with the pictures for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really okay with them. But then the packages started, and it was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. hold off. <laughs> packages of just hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're not sure where it came from, you know? Like, what part of the body does this belong to? Oh, it has a scent. I have some ideas <laughs> of where it comes from. There could be a musk from other areas. We don't know. All right. So uh, we're going to skip the emails and uh, get straight to it. We're going to talk about a couple of books from this week, and we're going to touch on a book that comes out this Wednesday. Oh, you have something uh, to say? Well, yeah. Also, I wanted to throw out there that since this is the first show back from uh, the nice break or the holiday for uh, yeah, yeah. for those of us that don't have to work seven days a week like you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of us had a little extra time to catch up on shit that I oh, has right. been falling right. behind. So instead of emails, I proposed we do like uh, what you Our catch up on. Our beloved segment, um, what'd you do this week, huh? Huh? Hey, Noel. Yeah. That reminded me, I, you know, I, on a separate note. A yeah, yeah, absolutely. Note, Let me I take a sip have, of this while you're saying so. I did have a question. Um, I wanted <sighs> to know, uh, fuck, um, I've, had a couple, I've, had a, I've had a couple drinks. I've had a couple sips. What'd you do this week, huh? Oh, uh, well, this week, um, <sighs> woke up like normal. <laughs> How dare you? No, I, I got caught up in a couple of things that I really, like, either wanted to read or, you know, like, when, when you got a weekly poll stack or a yeah. poll list things kind of pile up and you're like, you know what, I'll read five in a row of that. I have a long box of, of books I haven't gotten to. Yeah. Um, but go on. I'm getting there. I think Sam would leave me if I got there yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to have to legally bind it before uh, I'm allowed to do a long box of stuff I've not read yet. But either way, I got caught up on... The first thing I got caught up on was um, Captain America. Oh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Yes, by Ta-Nehisi Coates. And, um, oh my goodness, at the tip of my tongue, I don't have it in front of me. It, um, I mean, you have um, a smartphone, so Linil you definitely U. do. Oh, Lionel, Le- how do you say it? I say Linil. Linil? Linil you. 
I say Lionel, just because that's the only way my brain can process that word. Lineal you? Lineal. I, I, I've always been a fan of his, uh, back when he had three names. Mm-hmm. Lineal Francis Lineal U. Lineal Francis U, yeah. Yeah, I remember that um, Superman Birthright series he did with Mark Wade. Oh, so yeah, good. Man, yeah, man. Um, and then um, he worked him when he was working with um, Bendis on Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like, he did all the new Avengers stuff into Secret Invasion. And I, I've always loved his style. The little, the little thing that hey, he does with his artwork that sort of stuck out to me was um, oh. he he draws when he's drawing eyes. That's why I'm doing this with my hand oh, gesture. Yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 you can always see they look a little sickly because he draws the actual underlid of yeah. the eye. Yeah, there's a curvature to it. You can see there's a ledge there. Yeah, it's great. Um, but then the colorist always makes it bright pink. Yeah. So then they all look like they've they're from like um. Uh, 28 days later everyone has the thickest eyelids to the yeah. point where there's a shelf before <laughs> yeah, the yeah, eyeball yeah. either like way a beer resting on it yeah. so i read the first issue back when it came out um i don't uh, did we, did, we talk we about did it on the, show. on the show um and i liked it but i liked it in that way of like oh this this is dense or mm. or like you could tell he's trying to tell a bigger story maybe i'll hold off on it and not yeah. read it you know we uh, as it comes out just like chunk That's it a little like, bit yeah. i got through to issue 6 mm-hmm. and it is awesome. God, like the awesome. first I'm two so issues, the first two issues were very. It's it, it felt very on the nose. It felt very like all right, this secret empire is over. Just all right. Mm-hmm. But then he really started to, to hit the ground running and started pulling on threads from Ed Brubaker's run that I completely oh, forgot about. Yeah. And it, it was it's it's really enjoyable. Like I I I, I trudged uh, through the third issue, but then four five six just breeze right through them just sitting in bed one night oh, for, over like over the course of 15 minutes it was really really great so I caught up on uh, I didn't catch up on much I have a whole like I guess I had a full fucking box but I did I tried to catch up on Spider-Geddon I didn't quite make it through it uh, but I did catch up on Action and Superman and I cannot tell you just the fact yeah. that I'm saying the words I caught up on Action Comics and <laughs> yeah. Superman Comics is revelatory for me because at no point in my life have I ever been like, you know what, I need to catch up on my stack of books. Superman's the guy I'm going to go to. He is, without a doubt, one of those characters for me that peaks and valleys, mostly valleys. Mm. So um, Bendis coming in and injecting this lifeblood into the character, into the storytelling and the dialogue and everything that's happening with Lois Lane and the relationship, the Red Mist... Uh, or the Red Cloud? Red Cloud. Mist. Red Cloud? Cloud. The Red Cloud and uh, Rogel Czar and everything that's happening with both of those books. I do think it's a little interesting that Action Comics has the least amount of action. Yeah. And Superman has the action. Yeah. Uh, this, it's just action set piece after action set piece. That is interesting to me. I feel it's a little backwards, but I wonder if we're heading... Well, I, in a certain I, direction with those. Both if of you those? if you had to guess, what do you think the because he made that choice, right? Do you think he did it on purpose is he or being snotty? Like I don't know why. Well, he would... I, which one do you think piques his interest more? The the journalistic. Oh, I think it's action. Yeah, or I think he enjoys writing the action. Bombast. And, yeah, he's definitely a dialogue guy. Yeah, and he's a relationship guy. Yeah. So I feel like he has fun writing the Michael Bay action scenes, but he's more interested in. Action Comics, which is it's all dialogue. It's all it's almost like Detective Comics for Super er, for Superman. I think you just answered the question then. Yeah. So for he, him, that's the action. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I mean like it's uh, so Detective Comics versus Batman, the books. Detective Comics is at least historically Batman doing his job, the nitty gritty yes. of it, and mm-hmm. then the Batman title is the big 
crazy villain stuff or yeah. like the big, yeah. you know, the big arcs. Whereas mm-hmm. maybe I'm just kind of realizing this Bendis kind of is treating it the same way. Mm-hmm. Action comics is journalism, him being yeah. good at his job mm-hmm. and more than just a cape. And then, you know, in the other book, Earth is sucked into the Phantom Zone and he's fighting he's this unstoppable being yeah. and Zod gets in the way. Like yeah. it's just all crazy big. Yeah, it's so neat to me. It's Martin. awesome. Yeah, it's uh, but that yeah, that's all to say that I have never, except for <laughs> Grant Morrison's All Star Superman, I have never had this much fun with a Superman book. So one more cheers. Okay, so that that's what we've been doing this week, huh? Huh? Hey. Oh, um, Was there something else? I watched Bandersnatch. I watched Bandersnatch. I wouldn't have time for all this. We could just do an episode of just what we've been doing this <laughs> oh, week. Let's just go straight to the comics. If, um, uh... But okay, real quick, Bandersnatch was fun. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm doing a rewatch of Young Justice, starting with the first season because Young Justice season three premiered on DC Universe app. Finished Titans. You finished it. Finished Titans. Yes, you did. Yes. I don't know if you were telling me to finish Titans. No, I have finished you Titans. Finish. You probably should. I will. Um, it's a show. I I'm enjoying it. I didn't hate it. Okay. No, I'm actively enjoying it. I was Even too. I've only seen two and a half episodes. I was too. Oh no. It's it's not bad. Okay. But I still don't know why it is and who it's for. You know, you, you know I saw you tweet about this. You yeah, know, yeah. Who's yeah. this for? No, 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 not in a marketing kind of way. In the tonal shifts are so fucking wild and weird. Uh-huh. It makes me wonder what kind of person this was either made by and or made for. Mm-hmm. Somebody that that is so in love with the costumes but needs to have the fucks and the murder. Yeah. Somebody that uh, like who are you? Who are you trying to reach with What's this style of story? Yeah, with this like, style of storytelling. But for yeah, like is is it supposed to be that, or is it, or is it just uh, an attempt to make it something that it's really not? Like mm-hmm. fighting against a current. Yeah. And, and no matter how great you are, when you're fighting against the current, you still like start to succumb to it. It's it is. You know, I'll tell you who inherently it's for. I'll tell flawed. you who it's for. I'll tell you who it's for. It, so it's not for the people who like Teen Titans Go. No. It's not for the people who want a um, regular Titan show, Teen Titans, right? It's not for no. the cartoon Teen Titans. It's not for the original it's cartoon Teen Titans. It's not for the Young Justice. The it's not for people. Young Justice, no. It's something that touches on all of the things that all of those shows don't have, right? So um, Teen Titans Go is for the young set. Teen, young Justice is for people who just like really quality shit. Hmm. Uh, Teen Titans was for people who like really quality shit, but a little younger. Mm-hmm. And then there's Titans, which is just for what they think adult comic fans want. So your argument is that this is the scraps and or this is... So it's manufactured. It's reverse engineered from the one demographic they don't have. Yes. That's flawed. That's inherently flawed to start a story from. It's a terrible idea. So no matter how cool it is in the Uh, episode and I'm enjoying it, there's always this little like reeking bug of of doubt in the back of my head of like, I guess it's cool enough. Why are they doing this? Yeah, it's like it's cool enough. It's like it's like the best... DC EU movie is like it's con- fine. I'm going to put it in the most contemporary and topical reference I can in order to make you understand this. <laughs> Did you ever see Twins with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Danny DeVito? Of course. Danny DeVito finds out that uh, his brother, his twin brother, he's the di- Titan is the Danny DeVito. <laughs> so he finds out. He finds out that. Um, I believe they were genetically engineered, right, to make the perfect kid or something. Yep. That's that that created Danny um, uh, Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Danny DeVito realizes that he is the cast off. He is the genetic scraps of yeah, he's, Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
That's what Titans is. He's the twin that Arnold didn't absorb. Yes! That's what Titans is. <laughs> yeah, I still don't think it's... Like, all right, so I'm exci- I I... I am looking forward to seeing where it goes. Uh-huh. I still... There's... No matter how great it could be within this paradigm, the paradigm is flawed mm-hmm. from a storytelling perspective. Aquaman. Yes. No matter how Who fun... Who is this for? I, well, I, we, we had a very lengthy discussion yeah, about this. Two of them. No matter how... I did two of them. No matter how great aspects of it are or how enjoyable aspects of it are, the entire structure is flawed. Yes. So there's always that... Not working. Okay. But I'm... Uh, Around the corner, Young Justice, I'm in episode nine of season one. I've never watched it, so I'm trying to jump in. Yeah, for real. Oh, why was this not the first thing we talked? How are you enjoying it? Uh, it's Well, the first couple episodes were a little rough, a little, like, boring. It's a little but freak of the week. I, I, I'm on episode ten. Mm-hmm. Um, Catch me up. What, what about is happening? Um, so nine was downtime. That was um, Aqualad going back to... That's where I'm at now. Atlantis. Yeah. And um, I obviously if he wants to be on Earth, yeah. Earth Dweller, or yeah, us. it's yeah. it's kind of decided for him because yeah, his lady's banging somebody else. Oh shit, Garth. Really? I only I only started at the beginning. Yeah, she's with I Garth didn't. now. I didn't know that. Even you knew I, that, even though I watched you knew it that. six yeah. years ago or whatever. And then they tease uh, uh they like it's it's one of the first episodes at least that blatantly teases something that will come later. Okay. I assume. Yeah. Because um, Black Manta's the big bad guy, yeah, but yeah. then he has a secret conversation at the end of the episode, and I'm uh, like, semester. <coughs> yeah. But um. Okay. It's it seems fun, and then the next one, the next episode is um, their minds get wiped in Bialya, and right. they're, when they're on a mission, they just wake like up, it's yeah, right? it's it's yeah. these. Uh, I you know what the one that the one that turned me like yeah. everything was fine, but I really really liked the Doctor Fate episode because it was the most. Yeah, it was it. it was like Wally was a great character in mm-hmm. it, normally and like, with his own point of view. Yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, no, I agree. Like twenty, I forget what it's like to watch a twenty minute show that like is. Like, sometimes it feels quick and to uh-huh. the point. Sometimes it's just, it's more nuanced than you expect. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, I like yeah I'm really thing. enjoying it. But science it, kid. It took me about 10 episodes to really, like, understand. Like, I get why people like it, but yeah. about 10 in, I'm like, oh, okay. Just you wait till this, to the second season, brother. Well, I like that the seasons are themed, or mm-hmm. at least that's what it seems like. So the second season's called Invasion, I think, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the third one's Outsiders. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so excited to be rewatching the show. I also just caught up on all of Gilmore Girls. But anyway. Gilmore uh, Girls. So, uh, when you're out yeah. on the road. All right. So, Father's Day is the subtitle for Batman. Um, number, annual Annual three. number three. Thank yeah. you. Batman Annual 3. Subtitle. Oh, I, oh, I've ruined it. I ruined it. Because that's what got me. Shit. The name of it is what got me. I'm so sorry, you guys. Cut. Take two. Spoiler so- alert. <laughs> um... Oh, I got a little choked up when What's I read the name the of the show. It's called <laughs> Spoiler Alert. This is by Tom Taylor. Yeah, and art by Otto Schmidt. I don't know who Otto Schmidt is, but Otto it was Schmidt, so nice. Otto Schmidt did a lot of, or at least the first bunch of Green Arrow books mm. for um, Rebirth, and he drew. He draws sexy women, very sexy women. They're very cartoony. There are no women, but in they're this. very. Sexy. So there's like one woman in this. Um. So yeah, basically, this is an Alfred story, and when I when I read the first couple of pages. And realized it was an Alfred story, I immediately put a level of judgment on it in that I'm not going to enjoy this. I'm not going to care about it. Mm. I like Alfred well enough. I don't care about stories about Alfred. But by the end of the story, uh, I felt that it was very heartfelt. I thought it was kind of beautiful and poetic and lovely. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, it's supposed to be 
in my head, annuals are throwaway stories for the mm-hmm. most part. I, I went into this not giving a shit and expecting not to give a shit, and by the end of it, I think I loved it. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. Like, it was, it was um, in a weird way, it was a perfect annual by not mattering at all, mm-hmm. but mattering so much. Mm-hmm. Like, it was all character-based. They uh, Like, Tom Taylor's really, really great with... with licensed properties and just like fun little things like he does the Injustice books and yeah. and um, Wolverine the all new Wolverine he did which was oh, fun as hell oh that's right X-23 yeah. like he's, he takes these like things that you that shouldn't be as enjoyable or as poignant as they as they as they are and he just he attacks them and just makes them awesome so like the idea of a um a Alfred story like yeah we get Alfred that's cool this was the, how he structured this was so sweet um, he did not forget to actually put a Batman mystery in the middle of it. Right? Like, it was... It, essentially, Alfred wasn't just a narrator or a side piece so much as... In this story, he is clearly the glue that keeps Bruce's life together. And not only does he consider it a privilege, but he can't imagine his life any other way. Mm-hmm. And... You, there's a really, really nice moment of Bruce realizing that through the fog of his own, you know, determination and mission. This is a really, really good. This is a really good issue. And I saw Annual, and I almost didn't care. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> but it was really, really good. Yeah, I yeah. always write off annuals for the most part, except for the Armageddon 2001 annuals, uh, which happened back in the day, and they were some of my favorite stories ever. I mean, um, no. Tom Taylor. The, I googled it because I thought I wasn't. I didn't want to say this without being short. But this. And uh, Injustice and, um, what was the other book you said? X-23. All new Bull- yeah, all makes me excited for his um, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man that comes out next week. Oh. Tom Taylor. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So that's nice. kind of interesting. So, yeah, man. Um, if I know you guys, if you're anything like me, you may have skipped over Batman Annual Number 3. It's got a beautiful cover by um, Brian Hitch. And um, that is Brian Hitch. Yeah, it's. Brian. It almost looks Yannick Paquetti. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Of those inks are very Yannick Paquetti. So yeah, man. If you guys dig Batman and you want just a really nice one and done story to try out, uh, I would highly recommend Batman Annual Number Three. The price is is four ninety nine. It's a five dollar book, but I also feel like you're getting a hefty book. Oh, it's a, it's an extended story. It's yeah. but it's not it's not the kind like there are sometimes when I get a you know special extended issue that it's like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> but this this flew by this was wonderful mm-hmm. and the art you know, was great I was thinking about it there's something about the lettering in this too the lettering is nice and spaced out which also made me realize that throughout most of the book it's not very dialogue heavy it's not very monologue heavy uh, there aren't a lot of caption boxes um, and I, there's a couple there's another book that happened this week that I felt um, had a lot of words in it and oh my god, you're flipping through it, and it actually does have a bunch of words in it, but it doesn't feel overwrought. You mean it's well balanced? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, I was using too many words to this describe is, how well balanced I thought it was. Thank is, you, Noel. This is a wonderful book. Yeah, I, I, I would if you have just a passing dalliance with Batman comics, you don't have to be a reader of all of them, or you do. Um, this is just a fun. This is just a wonderful little story. One hundred percent loved yeah. it. All right, Conan the Barbarian by Jason Aaron and Mumada Srar, who, up until recently, Mumada Srar was one of those guys, and I, I don't like to speak ill of artists, 
and this isn't speaking ill. This is just saying that I feel like most of his art choices, his style, is a little derivative of um, Stuart Eminem's most recent style. And by most recent, I mean ever oh. since um, uh, Next Wave. Yeah, I love that when book he, so much. He found a new style a, oh. all on his own and just created it out of thin air. And there's a couple of guys who have made that sort of their um, their go-to work look. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's getting away from it a little bit here, which I like. Uh, the other thing I want to say is that I've never cared about Conan the Barbarian, except for when Becky Cloonan was writing, drawing him a couple years ago, maybe six, eight years ago. Um, I still didn't read it. And it's only because of Becky Cloonan's artwork. Yeah. This, I feel like taps into something I didn't even really know I had, which was an affinity for the nostalgia mm-hmm. of those old Marvel sort of horror books. The Pulpies? The Pulpies. Mm-hmm. This is very much yeah. a, a callback to those. I think Aaron nails the voice of it without being overwrought, like I was saying mm-hmm. earlier. And the artwork is really nice. Uh, what did you think of it? Um, I don't know. I have conflicting emotions. It's uh, It's... Uh, have you ever like read something or seen something, recognize and appreciate the craft of it, love the idea of it? It's all great. It still isn't necessarily my You're bag of tricks. Yeah, sure. it's not yeah. my. But um, I, in a really weird, dumb way, my very favorite part was <laughs> was just the intro. Oh, so in the, so you're talking yeah. about the first there's just a like, double page spread of. A bunch of artwork cobbled together from all the different runs of Conan from Marvel Comics over the years, and it's basically sort of a they're they're introducing you to the, like so so I get Conan has been well Conan has been um, Conan has been um, printed and written like stories like he's a he's a public domain character I know but like all at different Marvel. all different publishers yes like he hasn't been at Marvel for a very long time mm-hmm. so this is a interesting introduction to you know the beginning of this volume of Conan mm-hmm. here at Marvel but it's not I don't want to confuse anybody it's not an origin story no not at all it's, well it's a forward and backward in time story yeah. so like uh, this is this is one of those so this is not unlike Jason Aaron's run of On Thor. Thor ah that's what yeah. I was thinking so like he and especially too his first his first arc with Thor was mm-hmm. the God Barcher where he showed young and old in yep. contrast of each other. Perfect. So you've got this like framing device of old King Thor with a story in the middle, and mm-hmm. then that story wraps around at the end with old King Thor again. It is not a bad book, and it's beautiful. I just don't know if it's for me. It's for me. Is it? And I, I'm as shocked as you are to hear me say this. I mean, go for it. Um, I didn't think I would care about this. Yeah. Uh, looking at the cover, we have a cover by Asad Ribic, I believe. We've got Jason Aaron, one of my favorite contemporary writers. We've Absolutely. got Mata Srar, who looks a lot like one of my favorite artists. <laughs> um, and uh, still, with all of that, all of that weight, uh, I still didn't know if I would care because I don't care about Conan the Barbarian or Conan the King or Conan the Cerulean or whatever the fuck. There's so many different Conan books over the decades that I've n- never cared about. But there's something about this particular thing, and it might be Jason Aaron's writing that maybe I'll only read it till Jason Aaron finishes. But I feel like this taps into all the things that I like about Thor, another character that I never cared about mm, until, until Jason only JM, JMS, J. Michael Straczynski wrote him, the and first then arc was Jason really good. Aaron. Those are the only two writers I've ever given a shit about Thor with. So 
I'm 100% confident that once Jason Aaron leaves, I'm not going to care anymore. <laughs> and I'm okay saying that. I, I, you know what? It, it maybe that I don't know. I um I also never gave a shit about Thor. Mm-hmm. No, I find myself loving it, and it's mainly the, the story he's telling the writer. But this was like this this style of. I love pulp. I love pulp. Well, but I never cared about barbarian or uh, Viking pulp. See, it was every other style of crazy pulp fiction. So like aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, even the yeah the war stuff the cowboy like stuff pulp. like p- crime pulp, crime pulp I loved all of it Parker and all that sci fi horror I never cared too much about barbarians or Vikings oh yeah the I never even like lo- Northlanders mm-hmm. I, I just oh well, I am not but I mean, just I find Brian Wood to be very uh, very dry thematically like the greatest movie can come out and it's about Vikings and I will drag my feet yeah. to go see it Everyone I just keeps don't care me about to go, it to watch that Vikings TV show yeah in I don't fact, care and I don't I'm not gonna do that yeah. Yeah. So maybe this is just in my personal blind spot, and I could fight past it to really look enjoy what this is. I know, it's a beautiful book. Look at that. I have. I'm going to tell you right now. I have no logical <laughs> reason to not love the shit out of this book, but for some reason, I just it's not. It's you it's like it it's is. like a, it's not hitting all of my spots. I, I don't it's know. hitting one spot, and that's that's my horror spot. There is a, oh, a it's, pulp it's, horror aspect to this. Oh yeah, that he's fighting this evil demon lady. Okay. Yeah, and these two uh, kids who are just from um, you know the village of the damned. So oh, it's yeah. it's hitting all of my my pulpy horror shit. Not so much the I super masculine, uber buff, stabby guy. Yeah, that's what never appealed to me. Like you know, uh, oh, I like meat and wenches. Yes, it's like, never been my bag. I just mean, I grab- do like meat and wenches, <laughs> but like people who talk about loving meat and wenches, not my guy. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, I, no, it makes perfect sense. And you know what? I would be more than happy to give a second issue a shot because mm-hmm. you're right. This framing device. So so the part that most of this book is the story of young Thor first interacting with this witch that comes back or doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. We'll see. So it's him being – Crimson Witch. Yeah. It's him being a braggadocious piece of shit, warrior, monosyllabic, awesome. But <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> – what it it circles back around to is this this older wiser um, King Conan yeah. or King <laughs> King Conan. <laughs> I think I said Thor first. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so like it circles back around to this um, not braggadocious piece of shit non Thor. Um, and that part of the story is more interesting to me. So I I think the issue two is going to be whether I really dig in or not. Okay, because it depends on where it goes from here. Is it going to continue this? This um this cliffhanger with King Thor, mm-hmm. or is it going to immediately go back to more young adventures of Thor. Young Impetuous Thor? Like balancing it, just you know what I I wasn't a giant fan in that first run of um Jason Aaron's Thor, uh, the Mighty Thor. I wasn't a giant or it's the God Thunder Thunder God. What does it matter? The God of Thunder. The God of Thunder was Thor. The, the God, God of Thunder was th- stuff. Yeah. The Mighty Thor was. The I wasn't Lady a fan Thor. of Young Thor. Oh yeah. Well, you're not supposed to be. I know, he, but he balanced he's it. Conan. He balanced it really well. So I don't. know. We'll see. We'll find out. I am excited for issue two, and I'm I'm kind of excited that I'm excited for it because, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. You were talking about your Captain America um, tryst into yeah. um, the current book, mm-hmm. and while you were speaking, I was thinking about how 
I love an underdog story. I love an underdog story so much that I even love an underdog story against the underdog of things that I don't like. Oh, the underdogs of the underdogs of your preconceived notions. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I mean. No, no, so, I love being surprised. I, I, I fucking love being surprised. I don't like Captain America. I want to like Captain America. I don't like Superman. I'm excited that I like Superman. Mm-hmm. I fucking don't give a fuck about Conan. I'm excited that I'm excited <laughs> about Conan. Well, I have not reached that point, but I hope that I do because I understand completely. Okay. I don't give a I shit about Thor, but I, you know, I'm, I'm staring at the first trade of, of Jason Aaron's run, and I'm like, this is so fun. God of Thunder Reborn. Yeah. With art by Mike, Mike Delmundo, though. I didn't like the first issue. Uh-huh. The second and third, it's like, Ooh. Oh, yeah? Yeah, uh, it's like watching a, miss, It's like it? watching an in-motion cave painting. It's was so it, weird. It's it so Asad weird, and it's great. Who did the original yeah. God of Thunder shit, which, which is, is so gorgeous. But it's, it's, it's what you would classically expect these uh-huh. stories to be told like, yeah. and this is just, it's so different. It's, okay. it's almost like punk, or it's almost like punk rock, yeah. yeah. It's like punk rock Thor. At least it's not Mike Diodato. I really dislike Mike Diodato. Oh my god, so much. Alright, so... <laughs> Muscles on fingers. That's Conan the Barbarian. Come on! Uh, oh, <laughs> Alright, so... Okay, Heroes in Crisis... It was a book. It number, came out. Hold on. Heroes that in Crisis, <laughs> number four of nine. And it's written by... Wasn't it eight a couple weeks ago? I believe it was. God this damn This is written by Tom King with art by Clay Mann. Now... I love Tom King. Off, off the top of the cuff here, I believe all of us on the show here at Spoiler Alert Worldwide International Headquarters decided that this was the best work that Clayman has done heretofore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's issue number one. Oh, yeah. The, the first issue was fantastic. So like, good. The, um, the haunting panel of a crow eating a miniature man and you yeah. not knowing it until two panels later. Gorgeous. Just wonderful storytelling. Issues two and three, I felt much the same. I felt like yeah. there was that sequence with Harley Quinn where I was like, oh, here's our actual reason for Harley Quinn to be existing at the top tier that DC wants her at. I mean, story-wise, I had trouble with it, but yeah. Yeah. Sure. It was beautiful. Then this book happened. And I, you know, I, I did go in knowing about the uh, replacement cover art. Yeah. From I, I don't know if was it Clayman who drew that as well. He did. So for anybody who doesn't know, issue number four of Heroes in Crisis had an original cover. Oh, art. spoilers! Any, who, is any, if anyone's not reading it thus far, spoilers because even that yes. cover art is a spoiler of like the well, second issue. It's um, Poison Ivy. Yes, and she it appears to have been maybe I think she's dead, right? She's been murdered. Well, she has. So and this is going to be this is going to be one of my problems with the book in general when we talk about it. Yeah, um, which is now she dies. She's dead. Uh-huh. As as far as this story is concerned, she has been murdered off screen in the first issue. Yeah, and has been with dead. Wally. And the only yeah, and the only reason we know that is because it's not talked about but it's talked about around and then Harley drops a rose in the water oh. no one has said that she's dead Except or you've not art. seen a body or right. you've seen yeah like it's just the cover art so like that's that's one of one of the main problem before we even get into the controversy the biggest problem I have with this story all of it so far is that it feels like the fringes of a better story. Everything keeps happening off panel. Oh my panel. god! Everything keeps happening off. It's like you are you are refusing to show us. It's heroes you and keep, crisis front lines. You you yeah you're, you're <laughs> yeah you you keep sh- telling us all this stuff is happening and how big it is, 
but it's all happening off panel. Even the end of this book, where a very large decision is made by Lois, is told to us after the fact by yeah. Superman. So like it's you're not showing us anything. You just keep telling you us keep all this stuff. Us up. Yeah, it, and it's it's, it's every, I'm, I'm disliking it. <laughs> every issue is previously on Heroes in Crisis. A little bit. Like every single every single one of these issues is a cold open for a better story. <laughs> And it's, it's bugging the shit out of me because right. I want to like it. The, the logistics of this and, and the I'm pitch s- of it, I love. It's yeah. just such a weird new idea or at least this idea juxtaposed to the hero, the superhero world. Right. But this is mm, it's I will just frustrating. Counter that. I will counter that by saying I don't disagree with you. <laughs> However, you're a dumbass. Um, but what I will say is that it's making an interesting experience for me. Yeah. So I feel like this is one of those things where you know how you you read uh, – did you read here? Um, Final Crisis? A couple times. I only read it the once. Uh, but what it felt like to me was Grant Morrison saying, all right, what if I told a story? But hear me out. What if I told a story as if someone was just flipping channels on a television? Yeah. That's and why that's I read how, it a couple that's times. And that's how I felt about it. It did not work for me. Now, I don't know if this is going to work for me after all is said and done after nine issues. But so far, I'm engaged enough and I'm curious enough that I'm enjoying it for the most part. I have a mm-hmm. I have some issues with the art in this story, and I have one big issue with the revelation at the end of this story. By the way, spoiler alert, we're going to reveal that. But I really do want to talk about, because we had a conversation on Facebook with Randy, our son, the voice of reason, hip-hop's greatest mastermind, and... He and his buddies were upset that people were upset about some of the way women were drawn in this issue. And I do want to touch on that a little bit. As I was saying, the beginning uh, of this story started with Poison Ivy being drawn in a, some would say, provocative pose. pose, having been murdered. And she's, you know, it's one of those classic things where someone's been murdered and they've used their own blood to, to make a clue. Instead yeah. of literally writing out someone's name, they draw a clue. So, uh, Wally. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was Wally. Um, but uh, I don't know if it was a Z. I don't know if it was a lightning bolt. You're not 100% sure. Yeah, she was just she was scribbling in blood. But her pose was her face ass down, fast ass down, up. her ass pursed up, and yeah. then like a weird contort. It was... Um, it was... Yeah, it was provocative. It was, it was a, a provocative, provocative pose. It was it was a weird. Um, it's one of those like weird contorted poses you see on cheesecake covers. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, she was dead. She was death thralls and then scribbling in her own blood. So it yeah. was like this weird juxtaposition feeling. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was absolutely. A little, yeah, a little gross. A little. Creepy. I mean, it was a it was, it was a very well done picture. Yeah, I mean, but... he's a great artist. So uh, that I did go in knowing that. So I don't know oh, if these uh, things jumped out at me because of that. They they took away that cover. Yeah, by the, way. the cover yeah, I a, had was no. Um, I mean, so like that cover style. that cover did show up in previews, mm-hmm. and Tom King was on the record as saying, "I've seen it. I asked. I'd like. I we we rejected it, and oh. it will no longer be in." Oh, okay. Previews. So like that that cover doesn't exist anymore. It was just like the beginning of this air quotes controversy uh-huh. is. That cover and then that cover being rejected, right? Because there were people that were like, mm, "That feels yeah, weird." A gross. Yeah. Now, the problem continues in that, and I didn't feel it to any extent where I was like, "Oh my god, I'm never going to read this book again." Mm-hmm. But there's a sequence with Batgirl 
And she, you know, she's in one of those confession scenes. It's a nine-panel nine grid. Panel grid. Mm-hmm. Beautifully drawn. Uh, the lizard brain in me goes, well, that's kind of hot. She's drawn kind of hot. She's she's more busty than I'm used to Batgirl being. This is, this is lovely. But she takes off her belt. She's sitting down. We have a medium shot. No dialogue. No dialogue. She takes off her belt. She stands up. She shows us her puncture, her scar from the entrance wound of the bullet that the Joker gave her in the killing joke. And then she turns around, pulls down uh, her pants a little bit, and you see the exit wound. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's supposed to be this very poignant and sad PTSD kind of <sighs> look at her having to get over that trauma. And really, I think the art pulls away from that and that it's drawn in such a way that it's a little sexy which feels a little gross again like we said it's it's um i think it's an issue of tone not Uh intention he draws beautiful women but when the nine panel so nine panel grids are meant to elicit certain feelings like it's either um it's meant to go from left to right with the eye to actually show motion quickly almost like a news or a film reel mm-hmm. like it's meant to be um almost flip-book. like flashcard flip bookie yeah. yeah so the fact that they're or and or they're used sometimes to get a shit ton of dialogue in so it's like one or the other the fact that there's no dialogue here it's it's it has no setup other than the idea of these confessional scenes um, it starts with her making eye contact with the camera and or reader, which is probably the camera, mm-hmm. tilting her head and then starts to undress. Yes, if you don't skip to the last panel, there's a fake out involved. Like, yeah. uh, why is she undoing her belt and then leaning forward and then turning to the side and then starts to pull up her shirt? And then it's not to the last three panels that you get that gut punch of, oh, she's showing her scars. Yeah. But while she's showing her scars, you could see the the outlines of her belly button, and mm-hmm. and many hours have been spent on the shading of her ass. Yeah, it just it feel like it's there is so much artistry mm-hmm. in the way that they chose to tell the story, but it's just it it feels Exploit, maybe twenty two percent icky. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. And, you know, I wasn't one of the people who jumped on the internet and was like, oh, my God, how dare they? But I was one of the people who was reading this and enjoying it. And then I went, I, I did a little head cock and I went, huh, interesting choice. That was weird. Yeah. So, like, art's supposed to elicit a reaction. It elicited a, it, it elicited a reaction. It's successful. But it I doesn't would elicit not... the reaction, I would argue, that it was intending to elicit, which is... PTSD, trauma, yeah. and having to overcome great obstacles to become Batgirl again after being paralyzed for so long. Mm-hmm. And the struggle and the strength that it takes to become this new woman um, yeah, who's got, on her feet again, literally. Got great glutes. It, so instead, it's, it's like, look how hot this is. Um, that's how it feels. Yeah, so, that's how it feels. So so I think the bigger argument, this the, at best... This is a issue of tone with a subset of readers. I think the bigger argument or problem is that a lot of people noticed it and they said something. A lot of other people that didn't notice it and or have a problem with it 
freaked the fuck out. Oh yeah, that a lot of people noticed. Oh, it. it's just outrage culture. Not in in this in this so called outrage culture. No one asked for like the firing of Clayman. No one accused oh, anybody right. of no. anything. It was literally like I, I read through all those tweets too of like is somebody calling for a job because that's silly. Yeah, all of them were just like bad taste, bad taste, bad yeah, taste, a little weird. not cool, kind of weird, bad taste. Yeah, no one said anything about like someone being demonized and destroyed. Right, which that's getting so cool. yeah, getting so outraged about it. It's just oh, getting so outraged mm. about this like false flag of outrage culture relax like i just can see why other people would be triggered by this Mm -hmm. especially women who have dealt with ptsd have dealt with assault of any sort and now have to look at this they're being like overly again overly sexualized in a story about therapy Mm -hmm. yeah yeah what do you think hey sam what do you think of these nine panels sam you're a woman hey girl hey oh hey girl (laughs) Actually, we're you, showing, should, you should show it on there. So we're showing Sam for the first time. Okay, just follow this. See if... But why? Why what? I don't know. Well, I mean, this happens in all illustrations of women in comics. Well, that's so, the problem, isn't it? So yeah. the, scene, the scene, though, is her removing her clothes to show a gunshot scar. Mm-hmm. She has previously been... Um, Nobody's ass looks like that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but, so the the controversy of this out of this issue has been for a scene that's supposed to be this poignant. Is it appropriate to be this sexualized? Are we just being gross men and assuming it's sexualized? And really, it's just a drawing of a woman showing you her scars. I believe the, I believe the phrase the phrase um um peak physical condition woman was used multiple times on yeah. that fucking thread like it was something that would like excuse any kind yeah. of sexuality as somebody who didn't read this i mean yeah they're showing off they're highlighting all of her features and i mean all of them right so i mean i, I guess it depends on the artist yeah some are more apt to do that well, yeah. I think the problem is is that um, for in, in another story, this may not have bothered me so much. If she was not showing off her assault scars, I don't think this would bother me as much. It's not like I see the, the, the female foreman go, oh, my stars and garters, let me get my fainting couch. Um, <laughs> but when you're dealing with a woman who's, who's had to overcome such obstacles and paralysis and sexual assault... It's a little strange. And the story specifically in this context is about dealing with PTSD through therapy. (laughs) And it's, you know, her boobs and butt. Now, on the other hand, I will say maybe, if I can take devil's advocate here, maybe the fact that she has suffered these scars and she has not let it um, dissuade her from being a sexual being, right? Sure. Maybe. Maybe that's a strength in itself. That's, that's a lot of stretching for nine panels, but I'm sure. Trying. Yeah. I'm trying. I don't think there's anything egregiously wrong with this, but I do understand why people had problems with it. Yeah. It's it is stereotypical trope ish depictions of the physical form, male and female in comics. Got it. Yeah. Felt weird in this context. Yeah. Not completely weird, but just like I said, about twenty to twenty two percent like oh okay. It was, it was enough to make me do a head cock and be like, hmm, mm-hmm. weird. Now, I will say that I love... Thanks, Sam. Time. Enjoy your breadstick. So, um... Thank you. I, I liked the scene between 
Batgirl and Harley. Oh, yeah. The conversation. Oh. First of all, they have a little bit of a tussle. And then they have this conversation where really you're only focusing on their hands and how the hands go from balled up and clenched, and, and clenched um, to by the end they're holding each other's hands and they're embracing each other, literally hugging each other, um, which yeah. I thought was a very emotional and well done scene. I love this scene so much. Thematically, it's, it's essentially Robin Williams telling Matt Damon, "It's not it's your not fault." It's not your fault. It's not your over fault. and over again. And um, it gets me every time. By the way, yeah, yeah. That scene gets me every time. <laughs> um, I did really appreciate um, real talk from Barbara. Of yeah. the bat is just going to see you as a victim or another fault of his, mm-hmm. not stopping the clown. Like yeah. just like very real talk about everything is flawed, everything is fucked up. I hear you. I and see. And that we are two women. Yeah. In a field uh, mostly dominated by masculinity. Yeah, I felt that as the undertone in this as well, and I thought that was really well done. Um, now, as much as we were talking about how people were "quote unquote" offended, mm-hmm. the only thing that really actually offended me Bros in this before story heroes was <laughs> Superman's revelation at the end. That felt I, so weird. I, uh, part wait. of me understands, like, okay, Clark, he's the Boy Scout. He's also a reporter. He's married to a reporter. He's, you know, there are sources to protect when you're doing reporting, but when you're fucking Superman and you're trying to solve goddamn murders, this felt really weird to me. How did you feel? So why did it feel weird? Because, because uh, so I'll tell you why it felt weird. Did did this does this stop him from investigating? Still, it's he has not shared it with the world's greatest detective, who is Batman. Superman is not a so, detective. So your 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 problem your primary problem is that he chose not to let Bruce know. Yeah. The guy who could have solved this could have. Could have. You're keep you're literally keeping I don't know, uh, to, information to me this, and so, facts from the detective. I didn't like it, but to me it's literally like the only true journalistic integrity that Clark has ever shown <laughs> writing That's stories about himself. That's this is like the only Peter time Parker. This is the only yeah. time he has ever actually been a journalist with integrity yeah. when it comes to his day job and night job. But there are there. I mean, it might be an opportune. There are friends yeah. and coworkers, if you call other superheroes coworkers, who have been murdered. This is no. You're right. And you're like, choosing to stand so, on your so inopportune. But do I think it was wrong? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I think weighing the lives of Wally West and a bunch yeah. of his other friends and co-workers, other superheroes, the lives of those people and trying to track down and solve the mystery of who murdered them is a little bit more important than, well, my wife has been – it's my wife's uh, source. So it would have been better as um, this is going to – like if he told him this is going to happen before – like when he found out. Not st- okay, so so his whole motivation for not telling um, Bruce and Diana before mm-hmm. was that he didn't want them to have the opportunity to stop Lois from printing it, mm-hmm. Freedom of the Press. Right. Cool. But as a friend and as a superhero, mm-hmm. you're saying that he should have told Bruce and Diana earlier than yeah. this. Yes. I don't disagree. But it didn't bother me that much. If you're a police officer, right? If you're a police officer and it's your job to track down and catch a murderer who is still out there 
and your wife is a reporter, do you say, well, I feel bad because I don't want to reveal my wife's reporting um, um, source Get her. as opposed to catching a murderer? Everything I know about journalistic integrity is from Samantha because oh. she's a former journalist. Oh. Sam! Sam! Hi, bring you, your breadsticks back you, here. Yeah, you heard all of the trigger words of like journalism, integrity. Yeah. Can okay, I, I would like I would like JD to explain to you this scene and tell us if Clark Kent is right. Star reporter of the Daily, the Planet. Daily Planet is correct in his integrity in this situation. Yes, yeah. sure. So, um, come so closer to the mic. Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman are in charge of tracking down the murderers of their friends, the Wally West and all these other superheroes. In a, in a home of their making. So, yeah. like, they created this this situation for those people to get murdered. To be safe. It was a safe house for these people to um, go and get therapy and deal with their PTSD of being superheroes. And Superman, Clark Kent, his wife, has been receiving videos... <gasps> Um, he's been re- she's been receiving these videos which are confessionals a la the real world, right? So he did not tell Batman, the world's greatest detective, about these videos. Batman's been under the assumption that everything that happens in the safe house is destroyed at the end of the day and no one knows anything. No records are kept, right? Okay. And Superman's wife, Lois Lane, has been being sent these... Um, confessional videos mm-hmm. of the of the murder victims okay. and Clark does not tell Batman until after his wife Lois Lane the reporter runs a story about it because he doesn't want to Bruce to damage. be able to stop him or stop yeah. her from printing it he's he's taking journalistic integrity over um, solving murders. solving a murder Okay, so that's many not, a multiple that, murder. That is not ethical because the standard for journalists is you take a you take a code of ethics saying to do uh, to tell the truth but do no harm. So his choice to not tell Batman earlier is doing harm uh, over not necessarily Batman, but he's the world's greatest. Well, player. yeah, justice. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess. A little weird, right? I think it's an ethical dilemma, and it would be really fun if a former professor of my mind would use that in like a media ethics class. Oh, that would be fun. You should email it to him. You should let them know. Heroes in Crisis you issue number it. four. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Sam, yet again. She said I'm right. I don't know if you noticed that, Noel. Oh, she said I, I'm right. I'm I'm very used to being wrong in her presence. <laughs> All right, so that being said, I know we have shit on this book. I like it. I'm having a fun time. <laughs> I love this book. I think it's fun. I, I'm, I, I don't know, I guess I trust Tom King enough yeah. right now to just I mean, roll I with it. I shouldn't, because yeah. half of his Batman issues are bullshit to me, but <laughs> the other half are fucking genius. I just, I, again, like, my biggest concern, even, even like, weird story choices, <laughs> this, this was, was a great scene with the penny. Suffering Sappho and she knocks over the penny? Come on. Um, well, yeah, when you're not noticing her butt. You helped with that? <laughs> Should uh, I hide the dinosaur? Now oh, I'm going to punch the dinosaur. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a great... It's a collection of great scenes, but like I said, all other issues, and including this one, it feels like better things are happening off-panel, and yeah. that is no way to tell a story. I agree. So if this, if this five issues from now, because now it's fucking nine, um, shocks me and surprises me in a way that and, and I look back and like, oh my god, that's the only way you could have told that story. Mm-hmm. Awesome! Yeah. I would love to eat crow, but right yeah. now it's just it's not enough. Okay, 
We need to move on. We need to move on. Oh, yeah, We've sure. been talking about this too long. But do you think it's Blue uh, Booster Gold, or do you think it's Harley Quinn, or a third party? I don't think it's either of them. You think it's a third party? Absolutely. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's move on. Oh, oh wait. Actually, oh, God. We didn't talk about like the issue before this because we were off that week or something like that. Yeah. There was one scene in that third issue that was fucking creepy of Wally West putting the mask on his face, talking to no one in the room, which makes me think that Wally murdered everyone. What? Yeah, what you don't you remember that? About? It's in issue three oh, he of... he puts on the gold mask. He puts on the gold mask and right. he's talking to his children that don't don't exist anymore. Oh my God. It was... I I kind of forgot about it. He... There's... It's all Flash related for some reason. I think... I think they're... So... Most so of the DC events tend to be they, Flash... They brought... They brought Wally back. Yeah. And I thought it was supposed to be a big thing about like Rebirth looping into whatever. But now they're just going to... driving him insane? I think it is. I think he is going insane. Oh my god! Because they. But I don't think that was the original intention. So like he was the linchpin of Jeff Johns' rebirth. Now Jeff Johns doesn't necessarily control anyway. the story anymore. Oh my god! So do you think that they were just like oh fuck god. this? Let's just Wally's... make him. Let's just make him crazy murderer. That would be amazing. It would be so weird. As be... a huge Wally West fan, it would be. It would I make would me feel awful. It would make me feel awful. I would. Because... Why bring him back? Why bring him back? Because that's amazing. Just to be a murderer. Just to be the best Flash villain eventually. That's See, it's the same way that people reacted to Hal Jordan. How meta would that be though, right? If the reason why he went crazy is because us as readers despised his new continuity and couldn't make peace with it. So they just turn him into the worst villain ever. Oh my god. I hope it's Wally. <laughs> that would make me so sad. But, but the, I would kind of love it. It still doesn't explain why... Ever, like all the evidence points to these two and yeah. each of them saw the other do it. But here's the thing though. The fact that, and just this is stepping back and taking a look at how stories work, the fact that they're only looking at Harley Quinn and Booster Gold makes me go, it's too early in the story. They figured, they, they've yeah, because they I, nailed down these two Because I know it's quickly. 19 fucking issues. Why is it so long? Nine issues? Why is it so long? Sorry. I don't know. I'm enjoying I'm sorry. it. I'm enjoying it. All right, let's move on to the Superior Spider-Man number one by Christos Gage and Mike Hawthorne, uh, with inks by Wade Von Grawbadger, who best name used ever to, used to ink for my previously uh, mentioned Stuart Eminent. Yeah, he's a, he's a straight up Stuart Eminent guy. He did all of his Ultimate Run with him. <sighs> this is no Stuart Eminent, my friend. This artwork so, so, um, is fine. Behind the curtain, JD and I read this together in the room. Mm-hmm. There's a scene towards the end when um, – uh, so anybody that has ever read Superior Spider-Man, it was exciting before. Now it's uh, clone body Otto Octavius yep. being Spider-Man because he was so better at it. So um, there's a scene <sighs> later in the book here where he gets called out by Anna Maria, mm-hmm. who is his former love interest now – stock victim yeah and uh he loves her so he doesn't want to hurt her but then she says she'll call the police and he has like this weird moment of um i won't let you i won't permit you to stop me step uh, to interfere with my my mission there's a part of me that in this book wanted me wanted him in this moment to just kill her he's not gonna kill her i know he's in love with her but as much as Otto octavius can love somebody and I love so my, I love that so she's my, been set up as that. My point being, this was boring as shit. Um, and I literally wanted something crazy to happen, like, oh yeah, murderer. 
Yeah. Because I, I did like I didn't care. I see what you're saying. No, I actually like, know what tell me something different or tell me something interesting because I what thought, you're doing here I don't give a shit about. I thought this was fine. Which is a shame because Superior Spider Man, as much as I went into that going, that is the dumbest sounding thing I've ever heard of. It's great. They're gonna swap brains, they're gonna swap bodies. It's one of my top ten Spider-Man stories of all time at this point. Uh, it's one of my top five. But reading I this, get crazy. reading this, I realized that it's only what made it really good was the fact that it was Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Peter Parker. He, he was well, like it was. There was there was always that underlying fear. Yeah. Uh huh. That's yeah. There was always that underlying fear. That underlying like crazy storiness of it that this is not supposed to be when is it ever going to go back uh-huh. there's there was a danger underlaid with it it yeah. wasn't the like what like, made it great how wasn't shit crazy is this what made it great wasn't auto mm-hmm. what made it great was like the underlying danger of your stories being completely upended over the course of the last 60 years so just taking the boring part of it and making it its own series i don't give a shit yeah i don't give a shit okay i'm going to counter that i'm sorry i'm eating a licorice whip I'm going to counter that by saying... Farts. <laughs> Stop it. I'm going to counter that by saying... <laughs> I really like... There's something about an evil version of Spider-Man that I enjoy. When the Scarlet Spider got his own book and it was Kane. He had the red suit and the, the red and black suit. You know in, what I'm talking about? In Houston? In Houston! <laughs> yeah. And he like... Couldn't swing through the city all the- <laughs> because he ran out of fucking rooftops and yeah. he hit a roof and he hit a roof because he ran out of fucking skyscrapers. That's that's my shit. Um, the fact that he was sitting there eating cereal and listening to um, sirens drive by and he goes, ah, that's weird, sirens, and continues eating his cereal before he realizes, oh shit, I'm supposed to go help those people. That it's for some reason that taps into something that I really enjoy. An evil, weird version of Spider-Man is something that I that I like, like Venom trying to be a good guy. But those are okay. Kane, go on. Ben no. Riley being the Jackal. That I think, stuff taps into something in me that I like. I think the differences of that though is that this is so. This would be so. That is a you know a homegrown character that just you know they they pivot on. Mm-hmm. This is manifesting from something else you enjoyed that was different. So it almost yeah. feels more manufactured or reverse engineered into something that would appeal to you as opposed to something that just organically appeals to you. I agree. It's I, like, I don't like um, it. I don't remember, like it at all. I remember when Chris Claremont had a huge, wonderful run on X-Men and created um, basically a legacy for the characters, right? Mm-hmm. Like He's one of the go-to storytellers for the X-Men. And they brought him back and it was bullshit. <laughs> feels a little bit like this. <laughs> I was excited for it, but there's nothing really tethering me to it. Mm. So, um, completely off topic, when it comes to this rope licorice, the best way to eat it is to just bundle it up and, and That's what I'm as doing. a ball, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm rolling okay. it up around my finger, like you would take a piece, piece of string. And you all the ball. And then you just make a ball out of it. Just all the ball. And you like it. And then you speak into a microphone. So. And you talk about the superior spider Second issue? Mm-hmm. Not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to read it. <laughs> all right. Is that all the books for the week? Wait. Yes. For this week? For last week? For, yeah. Yeah. For next week, I'm still eating this licorice. I'm not. So. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> 
So being a, um, sometimes when, um, uh, when fate smiles upon thee, um, JD, the purveyor of Johnny Destructor's Hero Complex located in Manyunk, Philip. 4327 Main Street on Manyunk, <laughs> yes. Um, receives books a day or two early because he is a store owner. And yeah. when that happens, we want to be able to talk about one of the books that is about to come out, spoiler free. Yeah. Um, something that's uh, exciting that week. Um, we collectively chose Young Justice number one. Wonder Comics, Young Justice. So What's Wonder my, Comics? What's Wonder my, Comics, Oh, Jamie? my God. You know oh, what? Yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm swallowing that licorice. All right. So, so Wonder Comics is Brian Michael Bendis's attempt at a uh, teen line of comic books to try and get the younger set, the people who aren't 40 years old and have been so reading is, this for decades. So is this young animal, but... But for superheroes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not weird, crazy shit like Young Animal was in Gerard's Which was way. essentially like a poor man's vertigo. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um... This is his attempt at having a line of comics aimed at teenagers. At first, I thought it was supposed to be all ages. And then having read Young Justice number one, I went, well, this isn't all ages. This is, uh, they say ass a bunch of times, which doesn't offend me, but it's not something I might give to a four-year-old. If somebody listens to the rest of this podcast, they would think that you were offended by some ass. That's true. What? Let me make it clear. (laughs) I I love lady parts. They, they look good when they're drawn, and not drawn, and they're just in real life. I'm drunk. So anyway... How are you drunk? Young Justice, number one, by Brian Michael Bendis, and... Patrick Gleason. Patrick Gleason. Who I'm, is... It's a Gleasonessance, or... Gleasonessance! <laughs> like, for, okay, so, um, what was it? Issue two or three of Superman, where... Uh, uh, Bendis and Gleason were together for, like, the first three or four issues yeah. of Superman before he came on to this. Yeah. We were like, oh my god, this is Gleason, but Gleason on crack, and it's yeah. amazing, the whole scene of him in space, mm-hmm. blowing up asteroids to, to blow off steam. Mm-hmm. Super fun. That that Gleason is here times ten. This you is gorgeous. You know what this gorgeous. Gleason feels like? This feels like Gleason meets the guy who was Jorge Jimenez, who has been drawing most of, I want to say... The Justice League issues. So I was gonna say this is Gleason infused with like a little bit of David Marquez. Oh, okay. You think with well, a right. different color? Uh-huh. Uh, like because uh, Marquez's stuff is usually like a little bit brighter. Yeah. But yeah, like the the young characters in this and a, a little bit of the action, it just it kind of reminded me of Great. David Marquez. Either way, it's, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. No. So- Oh, at the count of three, how much did you like this? One, two, three. Ten. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was awesome, man. I was super into this. This is probably the most fun I had reading a comic book this week, and it's for next week's books. <laughs> so um, I think Bendis is a shot in the arm for DC Comics. I really enjoyed his Superman, as I said earlier, and I'm really excited that he's taking on a team book. And this was bombastic. There was so much excitement. There was so much movement. It was a kinetic, super fun issue. I believe we both made a comment, because we read it again (laughs) in the same room, when we got to Teen Lantern. (laughs) I think uh, I was ahead of you by a couple of pages, and I just went, ah, geez. (laughs) And then you got to it, and you went... Team Lantern? <laughs> well, I just laughed. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but, but then she, she acknowledges it and goes, oh, wait, am I part of this too? I need to come uh, up with a I'll better name. I'll change my name. I'm so, new to this. I am, there's, there's nostalgia, but there's also a really fun 
contemporary feel to it. We've got impulses back. We've got Connor Kent Superboy in the leather jacket. We've got Amethyst, who we haven't seen since New 52, and even before that, we haven't seen for decades. Mm-hmm. We've got Cassie Sandsmark back in her classic Wonder Girl outfit, not the weird Teen Titan shit that they were doing for the New 52. And then Tim Drake is back in action, which I like. That's just Robin. It's just, just Robin. Not Red One Robin, not weirdness. It's just Robin. And then we've got uh, Genie Jonah Hex. Hex. Genie Hex. Genie. Genie Hex. Is Jonah Hex, uh, I don't know, is it the daughter of Jonah Hex? We don't Did, know. She makes mention of like her, her grandfather dad. or her great-grandfather oh, giving her a gun or uh, like gifting her something. Yeah, a gun. Yeah. yeah. So, and then there's Teen Lantern and then Impulse is back. And Kid Flash, why don't you just say that? Look, this is, so we've had a lot of conversations, not to, not just tonight, but like when we talked about Aquaman and stuff, about tone. Yeah. Tone is more vital than people give credit to. Like, mm-hmm. uh, plot mechanics is one thing, but tone you have to nail and you have to swerve into. So, like, on paper, if you just, like, outlined what happens in this issue, it would sound fucking stupid. It would sound like a string of coincidences uh-huh. or just, yep. just like, yep. knotted up together and, oh, my God, you're here also? Oh, my God, no way. Let's hey. fight these guys. However, I think Bendis knows that. Mm-hmm. And he swerves so fucking hard into that yeah. tone that it just becomes so incredibly enjoyable to read. This <laughs> it's this beautiful. Has, this has the fun element of I want to say the new Teen Titans, the Jerry not Jerry Ordway, Marv Wolfman, um, Teen Titans, and the Jeff Johns Teen Titans. Yeah, this is a Teen Titans book, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. a bunch of sidekicks. Absolutely, it's um yeah no but absolutely for some reason. After the 80s, the Teen Titans stopped being a viable crowd drawer, right? Like a, like a puller in of a... Yeah, so now it's just Titans yeah. or... or or Teen Young Titans, Justin. but like they, they have yet to really, I think, replicate the, the classic sensibilities of Teen Titans, the new Teen Titans by Marv Wolfman. And this, <laughs> I think this does it. I, I completely agree with you, and it's funny that you mentioned um, Jeff Johns' run of, of Teen Titans, because honestly, that was the last time that I really followed it or enjoyed mm-hmm. it, because since then, uh, and, and that was, it was littered with characters I never even fucking heard of. Mm-hmm. Like, Blue Devil was on the, on the, oh, the you team. Oh, Blue Devil? I didn't He's know classic. about Blue Devil. He's classic. I, or it was the Kid Devil. Yeah, Kid Devil was Blue, Be- Blue Devil's sidekick. Yeah. It was wild, and I was yeah. enjoying it. It was it was like a it was like my second reentry into comics. You yeah. know, like I left for a while and then jumped back in with Rebirth. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Green Lantern Rebirth. Yeah, and then just kind of like fell back in. And that run of of Teen Titans was so fun, it was so great. Um, so this is very reminiscent of that for me to the point where I'm I don't know I'm just I'm I'm really giddy. And now I'm officially going to just ask you to pull the first issues of Wonder Comics for everything for me. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't wait for Naomi, another Brian Michael The Bendis. only, the only one, so, okay, so coming, coming from this line, for, like the first wave of this line is um, Naomi with his Bendis and David Walker mm-hmm. um, written by, I forget the artist, I think it's Jamal. Jamal Igle? No. Oh. Campbell? Jamal Campbell? Someone Campbell? Bruce Campbell? Josh Campbell? Jamal Campbell. Jamal Campbell. Oh, I was right. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, Dial H for Dial H Hero. Hero. Scott Humphreys. I forget Which, the artist. if you're not catching up on Superman, oh, yeah, that in, made its, its appearance in Superman. So did the question. What's yeah. up? Um, 
Mark Russell doing Wonder Twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all of them sound great to me, except I'm going to have to give... I'm going to test out Dial H for, for Hero. Yeah. Because uh, Sam Humphrey's stuff, sometimes I really, really like it. Sometimes I'm just like, nah. Yeah. But everything else, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, man. Um, I don't want to... Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but I will say... This, I had so much fun reading this. And this is before I started drinking the beers. This, <laughs> this was a great book. I really like that they're pulling in some new characters and we're bringing back Amethyst, which I think is kind of neat. And I'm really... The only Wait. thing that I think is, strikes me as weird is that Young Justice Season 3 just dropped on the DC Universe app. And that's a very specific thing. And now we have a comic book called Young Justice, which has literally nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, is a little bit of a weird sidestep. But because I enjoy these characters so much and this first issue, I don't care. But people who come in and they see Young Justice are going to probably be expecting Young Justice, the TV show. And they'll be delightfully surprised because this is just fun. If you're open to comics, this is fun. And I would mentioned to you before we started recording, like reading this felt like... The heyday of um, Ultimate Spider-Man when the Super Friends were part of the, uh, Just the super- were part of the cast. It yeah, was yeah. Iceman and um, Starfire or Kitty Pride. Like it was, it was Ultimate. Uh, yeah, it was Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, it felt yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. that heyday of Ultimate Spider-Man I when see. he had a side when he had a supporting cast. Yes, and it was just fun. And actually, yeah, yeah. I think it was Stuart Eminem. Johnny Storm. It was Johnny Storm. Uh, Liz um, Allen. As Firestar. Oh my god, that's right, as Firestar. Um, Kitty Pride. Yeah. Because her and Peter were dating. Uh, and someone else. Was but, it Iceman? It was, yeah, Iceman. Iceman, wasn't it? Yeah, Bobby Drake. Sorry, yeah, Bobby yeah. Drake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just, that it was. That was a lot of fun. It, it, that's what this kind of felt like, and yeah. that was that was Bendis. Like, this idea of taking all of these, like, disparate IPs and putting yeah. them together in, like, this, this fun little package. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. 100%, man. I'm super into it. Uh, I can't wait to see what the other fellas think, Rob and Mark, think about this book next week when we actually do a full review. Um, it's my favorite book. I'm very excited about it. Thank you so much for joining us, you guys. You can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. You can go to cultpopgo.com and leave us a voicemail if you click on the bright red banner on the right side of the site. You can find me at my Patreon at patreon slash Johnny Destructo. You can find Noel at mrbartocci.com, B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I. On Twitter, Mr. Bartocci. What I say? At Mr. Bartocci on Twitter. I'm sorry. I've had some There's no dot com. But it's um, fine. You'll find dot me. six. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk at you later. Mark and Rob, I we miss, miss you. you. All right. Bye. Jingles. 124 minutes. God damn it. Sorry. I thought this was going to be toy. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky. And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. 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 Yeah.